Meet Reed Lance Rosenthal, rancher, number one best-selling, award-winning author, and unabashedly, unapologetically on the right side of the outstanding issues of our generation. But don't try to fence him in. Sometimes his positions will surprise you, because Reed is definitely his own man, with his own opinions. You might love him, you might hate him, but you won't be able to stop listening. Step over to the right side with Reed. Howdy listeners from coast to coast, the Gulf to Canada and around the globe. This is Reed Lance Rosenthal on the Right Side Radio. Well, we're going to talk about the history, briefly, of lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender social formations and social movements. Why are we going to do this, you ask? Because the creation of those classes of people, if you will, is a democratic Marxist tactic to divide to conquer, to create classes of various victims, black, Hispanic, Asian, gays, lesbians, you name it, and then to weave that together into a voting constituency to maintain and expand their power and wealth. It's interesting, my comments on trannies last week drew the ire of some, homophobic, not tolerant, incorrect, in saying that it was a psychological problem in some. This, of course, despite tranny shootings, I gave you the percentages last week, which are a far greater percentage of total transsexual population than all other quote-unquote mass shooters are to the overall population. And there are more stories coming out this week. They found yet another shooter, tranny shooter, who was planning to kill children. And a teacher has now been identified who is planning to kill her students. She teacher is a transsexual. I have a pile of articles on rat-a-tat-tat, and in some cases, the really interesting ones, under the audio bar. I'll let the articles and the words of certain trannies that have gone off the rails speak for themselves. You know, I, I think most Americans think like I do. If you want to be a transsexual, go right ahead. Just don't force it on me. Don't force it on my kids. Don't work out whatever psychological aggressions you may have because you've been convinced or you feel that you're a victim of some type on others. Live and let live. I mean, I don't really care if you're a tranny or you're queer or you're lesbian, but I don't have to accept it into my life. Just as you don't have to accept my heterosexuality into yours. What's good for the goose is good for the gander. Any group or any segment of a group starts straying over the line, then that's a different ballgame. You don't get to use, I don't care what group you're in, whether it's a sexual orientation, whether it's a skin color, you don't get to use your perception or what you have been trained through woke teachers or a woke and untruthful government to think when it comes to yourself as some type of victim. You made your choice that's your choice. Everybody else makes their choices. That's their choice. And you are free to make choices as long as you want about anything you want so long as it does not detrimentally harm others. And there are plenty of examples of trannies who I think are very sincere, who don't consider themselves a victim, who take responsibility for their choices and live that life and live it proudly. Bruce Jenner, Caitlyn Jenner now, perfect example. But barging into a Catholic school and shooting three nine-year-olds and three administrators, sorry, that is so far over the line, it's in a different universe. But I think it will help us all understand a much bigger political picture if you kind of know the background of all this. 
And then, of course, we'll have the rest of the story of this sexuality and its political impacts. And then we're going to go briefly into the second alternative on how to fix this overall domestic, financial, military, international mess we find the United States in. I went over the first alternative last week. If you haven't listened to it, you should on the rightsideradio.com. So that is what we're going to get into. And then we're going to have some rat-a-tat-tat because that is uh, ever-increasing. No ebb, no flow, just flow. And then more flow. And then exponential flow. How you can strike a blow for sanity. It's called your pocketbook. Vote with your dollars. But first, a fitting quote from a founder, John Adams. Human nature itself is evermore an advocate for liberty. There is also in human nature a resentment of injury and an indignation against wrong, a love of truth and a veneration of virtue. These amiable passions are the latent spark. If the people are capable of understanding, seeing, and feeling the differences between true and false, right and wrong, virtue and vice, to what better principle can the friends of mankind apply than to the sense of this difference? You're exactly right, John, then and now. And our rant story. So, we ran around like frantic, nutty, (laughs) needing help hens over the last six or seven days. We got mostly all our really important, really big projects done. There's still lots of ditches to burn, fields to brush. And guess what? There's little spits of water coming, but it's not coming. You know why? Because it's so cold, the snow isn't melting. And we found out just over the last day or two that the temperatures and the weather is supposed to stay really cold, non-melt cold, for the next two weeks. So, you know, with all that frantic preparation, (laughs) it's still not completed, we have now bought ourselves, it looks like, an extra two weeks through no skill of ours. Well, the moral of this story is sometimes you get a helping hand you never knew was going to be extended. Grab onto it and hold on for dear life. (laughs) Let's talk about a little history here, a little history of various sexualities. So social movements, which kind of organize around the acceptance and the rights of person who today identify as LGBT or queer, began as responses to centuries, they say, of persecution by church, state, and medical authorities. I want you to understand, it was very interesting in researching this, that every single history I could find was written by a left-of-center author or researcher. And every single one tied in race to sexuality. You know, stitching those victim classes together. And every single one of them, and I'm going to give you some quotes, blamed Western civilization, Christian culture, white males. It's very, very interesting. You can see how this whole idea, the stuff that you hear incessantly, you know, until you want to cover your ears and scream about who's the persecutor, who's the persecuted, and who's the victim, and who is white or other privileged. Very interesting. You can see how kids get indoctrinated. In fact, at the end of each of these research articles I looked at, there was suggested reading for children. Yeah, interesting. Anyway, let's continue. So it is true that in ancient times, we're talking about Greece, we're talking about really thousands of years ago, there was 
obviously homosexuality. There has been since the beginning of time, the beginning of humans. But many of the societies around the world, and some still do, as you'll hear in this little historical piece, condemn these types of behaviors. There used to be sensational public trials, sometimes exile, medical warnings, you know, fire and brimstone from the pulpit. In some cases, deviants, as they were called back then, were put to death. By the 20th century, there was a movement beginning to gel as communications increased and people could reach out to one another faster and faster. In recognition of gays and lesbians, and it was kind of aided by that social climate, if you remember the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, of feminism. But it took about 150 years from the 1870s when all this kind of gathered traction to now to get to the point, the sorry point, that we are now. Here's a quote from one of those research articles along the lines I was warning you about. Quote, white male and Western activists whose groups and theories gained leverage against homophobia did not necessarily represent the range of racial, class, and national identities complicating a broader LGBT agenda, and women were often left out altogether. Hmm. Then these various papers try and talk about how the noble societies of the past kind of looked at it with some degree of tolerance. They say ancient Israel was an area that this type of various sexualities flourished. Ancient Greece, Rome... And they point to youths, which they say, were raised as the opposite sex in cultures in Albania, Afghanistan, the female husbands of Kenya, interesting, Kenya, and the Native American, quote, two-spirit, unquote, alternatives. And in all these cases, they refer to the, quote, unquote, alternatives as, quote, Western male, female, and heterosexual binaries, blah, blah, blah. Here's a quote from another research paper. Quote, riddled with the biases of the Western or white observer and added to the beliefs that homosexual practices were other foreign, savage, a medical issue, or evidence of a lower racial hierarchy, the peaceful flowering of early trans or bisexual acceptance in different indigenous civilizations met with opposition from European and Christian colonizers. Unquote. Do you see where all this research kind of goes? It was an eye-opener for me. And several reference the very first case of a homosexual receiving a death sentence and being put to death in North America in 1566. The Spanish apparently executed a Frenchman in Florida. And all of them seem to agree that the two wars, World War One and World War Two, speeded the process of social acceptance and recognition because... You know, the deaths of male soldiers left women behind to live together. Serving in combat fostered strong allegiances between males. One of these papers actually used Joan of Arc, by the way, as an example of a cross-dresser and a transgender person. Many of them talked about women and girls being economically oppressed by sexism, which kept them from jobs and economic opportunities, education opportunities, which were designated for men only. And you know, that's true. But boy, we've come a long way, baby, haven't we? <laughs> unless unless you work for the Biden administration or the Obama administration, in which case you get paid 20 or whatever percent it is less if you're female. And many of these research papers talk about the arts, how the arts have kind of folded back the veil of these different sexualities. Some of them say Shakespeare's theater 
had that thought running through many of Shakespeare's works. And a Japanese kabuki and Chinese opera. And then, of course, modern Hollywood. These sexuality studies, or sexology as it's called, didn't really start until the late 1800s. There were various European doctors and scientists, Carl von Westphal, Richard von Kraft Ebing, Havelock Ellis, this is all like 1869 to 1897, whose writings were sympathetic to the concept of homosexual or bisexual orientations. But these research papers point out that even those folks labeled, quote, a third sex as degenerate and abnormal. And a couple of these research papers talk about Freud, and they say that he did not consider homosexuality as an illness or some kind of undetermined gender development in the womb, but he felt that lesbian desires, just lesbian desires, were an immaturity that women could overcome through heterosexual marriage and male dominance. Once again, I did not research it to tell you if that's really what he wrote or this is their left-wing interpretation, but worth noting. And then in the early 1900s, there was an English writer by the name of Radcliffe Hall and a German researcher by the name of Magnus Hirschfeld, who founded, by the way, Berlin's Institute for Sexual Science, which was about the best library archive of gay cultural history anywhere in the world. And at that time, Germany had liberal laws, a thriving gay bar scene. This was between the two world wars. Whereas at the same time in England and in America, there was, as these research papers call it, a backlash against gay and lesbian writers. And then along came Hitler's Third Reich. And guess what? If you were gay or lesbian, you were off to the gas chambers. And they destroyed Hirschfeld's library, by the way. The first attempt to try and start advocacy groups which support gay-lesbian relationships was after World War II in the United States. Even though all these research papers agree that gay life kind of flourished in urban centers, for instance, New York's Greenwich Village and Harlem in the 1920s. But it really started to take off in conjunction with the civil rights movement, Martin Luther King's, for instance. In fact, King's key organizer, Bayard Rustin, was a gay man. Quite interesting. And then there was Alfred Kinsey's 1947 Kinsey Report, still quoted to this day. And his Kinsey Report on sexuality and sexology suggested a much greater range of homosexual identities and behaviors than was previously understood. And Kinsey actually created a scale, or a kind of a spectrum, which ranged from being complete heterosexual to complete homosexual. Let's talk about your family's safety. If you listen to this show, you know our aging power grid is more vulnerable than ever. There's been 70 physical attacks on grid stations and countless cyber attacks in the last year. Imagine a blackout lasting days, weeks, months. Look around your house. Water, refrigeration, heat, light would be poof. That's why having your own portable solar power and not relying on a government grid is critical. With a Patriot Power Sidekick from 4Patriots, you get a solar generator that's quick, easy, portable, on the go, or even inside. And though only the size of a lunchbox, it's powerful. It'll power your phones, your medical devices, even a mini-fridge. 
a free solar panel, free shipping, and a practically unheard of 365-day satisfaction guarantee. You can get 10% off your purchase using the code RIGHTSIDE at checkout. FORPATRIOTS.COM. Use the code RIGHTSIDE. Get 10% off. FORPATRIOTS.COM. Protect you. Protect your family. In 1950, the Matakine Society was founded by a guy by the name of Harry Hay and Chuck Rowan. And this organization was for gay men as, quote, an oppressed cultural minority, unquote. And other organizations sprang up. There was one on the West Coast called One Inc. It was founded in 1952. It was a lesbian support network. And then Daughters of Belitis. That was founded in 1955. Phyllis Lyon and Del Martin. And these groups began to coalesce. They began to bring people into the fold. They began to let people who had these sexual orientations know that there were others like them. But it wasn't until 1973 that the American Psychiatric Association removed homosexuality as a quote-unquote illness classification in its diagnostic manual. It's interesting to note that as late as 2013, transgender sexual orientation or sexology was labeled a mental disorder of several different types. And all these research papers kind of try and tie it somehow into the racial, right? It's all about, you know, I can give you the long list of isms, I won't bore you. But as an example, here's one paper. In 1965, as the civil rights movement won new legislation outlawing racial discrimination, the first gay rights demonstrations took place in Philadelphia and Washington, D.C., led by longtime activists Frank Kemeny and Barbara Giddings, unquote. And then there was some kind of event, I guess police were raiding a gay bar in New York's Greenwich Village, and on June 28, 1969, they tried to raid the bar, and there was this huge uproar, I mean, physical altercation. And many people in the gay community, I'm putting everybody in one community there, think that this was kind of a watershed moment of gay pride. And then also in the 1970s, some of the women's organizations which had begun to sprung up, like the National Organization for Women, now, began calling for lesbian rights. And all these outfits used women's music concerts, bookstore readings, lesbian festivals, and this was around the world, not just the United States, to organize women to become activists. In 1972, the first outwardly gay minister was ordained by the United Church of Christ. Other gay and lesbian church and synagogue congregations soon kind of followed suit. There was an organization that also sprang up in the 70s called PFLAG. Parents and Friends of Lesbians and Gays. And that was to offer family members and other members of gay people's communities support roles in the gay rights movement. And then political action organizations sprang up. The National Gay and Lesbian Task Force, the Human Rights Campaign. And you began to see the election of openly gay and lesbian representatives to Congress. Think about Elaine Noble and Barney Frank. Remember him from our history of the Fed, history of the banks? And in 1979, there was the first march on Washington for gay rights. And then came the 80s and AIDS, HIV. And that kind of set everything back. And it bred an anger, from what I can tell from these research papers, it bred an anger in the gay community because they felt that they weren't treated right. Some of them felt that AIDS was, in fact, introduced into their subsect of society. And around that time, give or take a few years, the Army, which in World War II had basically closed its eyes and allowed the gay community, and I'm being all-encompassing, to serve in uniform in wartime, 
went to the don't ask, don't tell policy, which all these research papers, by the way, condemned. Then in 1997, Ellen DeGeneres came out on national television and said she was gay, which kind of gave it a it's okay type of footing. Laws began to change too. Same-sex civil unions were recognized under Vermont law in 2000. Massachusetts became the first state to perform same-sex marriages in 2004. And the state sodomy laws, which is the laws that were applied to homosexuality by many states and many countries around the world, and by the way, still are, pretty much went away with the lawsuit, the case named Lawrence versus Texas in 2003. And then following that, gay marriage became legal in the Netherlands, Belgium, Spain, and Canada, but with continued resistance by churches and some states. And I don't mean the United States, I mean some nations. And these research papers seem to blame Christians for this. Quote, conservative evangelicals in the United States began providing support and funding for homophobic campaigns overseas, including in Uganda, which had the death penalty for gays and lesbians. Unquote. And then tensions broke out between the emerging transgender subcommunity of the gay community and the LGBT groups and the feminist groups. Think about what's happening. I'm going to have a rat-a-tat-tat story for you with women, or should we say transgender males, in women's sports. And then this activism became global because as all this was occurring in the early 2000s, there were still 75 countries, and by the way, most of them remain, should we say, anti-gay around the world where homosexuality remained illegal. In fact, as of 2016, LGBT identification, activism, any really, any association with that community was punishable by death in 10 countries, Iran, Iraq, Mauritania, Nigeria, Qatar, Saudi Arabia, Somalia, Sudan, Uganda, and Yemen. And that community, the gay community, suffered horrendous problems in Russia. And then in 2014, the same year Obama engineered the coup in Ukraine. Oh, that was great. Obama sent a contingent of LGBT athletes to the Olympics. And Pope Francis came out with the, quote, who am I to judge, unquote, his famous quote. In 2015, by the way, Bruce Jenner transitioned to Caitlyn Jenner. And in June 2015, the Supreme Court recognized same-sex marriage. The case was Obergefell versus Hodges. And by spring of 2016, the Academy Awards were recognizing films with both lesbian and transgender themes, such as Carol and the Danish Girl. The Supreme Court also ruled about that time that a lesbian family adoption in one state had to be recognized in all states. And then, over the last five or six years, all these research papers seem to conform. They conform in drawing race into the equation. Let me quote you from one. Quote, however, the United States also saw intense racial profiling confrontations and tragedies in this same period, turning LGBT activism to intersectionality or the recognition of intersections, issues of issues of race, class, gender, identity, and sexism. And all of them brought up the Pulse nightclub attack in Orlando, where if you remember, a Muslim stormed into a gay nightclub and unfortunately shot a bunch of folks. By the way, they blame that shooter not on his Islamic faith. Never mind Iran, Iraq, Saudi Arabia, it still had the death penalty. They blamed it on, quote, possible repression of identity. In other words, he must have been gay or trans, which may have played a role in the killer's choice of target. 
and they say that that should generate a, quote, emphasis on the price of homophobia, internalized or culturally expressed, in and beyond the United States. And now, for the rest of the story on this head-scratching conundrum. Bear in mind, as I give you this, that the Marxists are using traditional American values, the Constitution, heterosexuality, race, all those traditional-type things, as the bludgeon, as the reason that these various groups, including the gay community, once again, encompassing them all, are being persecuted. It is the reason traditional values, the Constitution, the rule of law is, according to the government in whipping up their frenzied mobs, the reason these people are victims. And so that brings us to today, where you have ever more militant subsects of the gay community. I've given you the examples of transgender and anybody who wants to tell me that there's not something psychologically wrong with somebody who goes into a Catholic school and shoots three nine-year-old girls, well, uh, we can debate that forever. In fact, look at that 2013 paper in the Psychological Journal. The problem is, folks, and, and read those articles that are on the website, on the rightsideradio.com, rat-a-tat-tat, under the audio bar, etc. You can form your own opinions. You are bright folks. But what's really going on here, folks, is that the government and the mainstream media are whipping the frenzy of perceived victimization. The DEI, the Diversity, Equality, and Inclusion, they've melded that with CRT, critical race theory. In each and every case, whether they're talking race or whether they're talking sexuality, whether they're talking about any of the victim classes they have convinced and they have created, it is done for one reason, for power. And you know, you need a common demon. Just like in wartime, a nation needs a common demon, the opposing nation. This is wartime for freedom. And Marxists need a demon to whip up the classes of victims they have created and convinced to rail and rally and fight against typical values, which, by the way, all these people are welcome to enjoy and cherish and fight for, and Caucasians and males, you know, toxic masculinity, and Christians. And unfortunately, they are aided and abetted by many of the alphabet agencies in the government under this administration. Think of the stories, and there are more under rat-a-tat-tat this week, of the FBI targeting Catholic churches and Christians. Think about law enforcement targeting pro-life groups, and then, of course, tying them to the religious tangent. Hopefully you have found this interesting and it's given some foundation to this bewildering onslaught of stuff going on out there. You know, along those lines, the way you can vote is with your wallet. You can vote with your feet and leave your state or your community, of course, but you can vote with your wallet because all these woke corporations, which are getting into the mix to increase this division and exacerbate this feeling of victimhood and, of course, to try and gain themselves new markets, not smartly, I might add. Did you know that Budweiser, their whole tranny deal, there's more articles on the website, including some videos. You really got to watch them on the rightsideradio.com. Budweiser's lost $6 billion in market capitalization and billions of dollars in sales since they began their transgender spokesman thing, spokesperson thing, just a month ago. And now Jack Daniels is repeating the same mistake. There's an article posted under Rat-a-tat-tat about the Budweiser debacle. You should read that, and there's a link on it, because Budweiser, as one example of a 
woke company has zillions of brands. They produce a lot of beverage stuff. You want to avoid all the brands. For instance, you don't want to switch from Bud Light and drink Michelob because Michelob is a Anheuser-Busch beer. Nike is experiencing the same plunge in sales and backlash. And I can go down the list of companies. My producers are busy compiling the worst of the worst woke companies who, by the way, in almost every case, and perhaps in 100% of the cases, have board members that were appointed by BlackRock. You know, Larry Fink from BlackRock. BlackRock, probably more than any other organization in the world, has done more to promote this divisive culture in spite of its shareholders, in spite of its stockholdings, and to its financial detriment. In fact, BlackRock is in a lot of financial trouble on a lot of different levels, from real estate to its corporate holdings. It's going to be very interesting because, you know, nobody insures BlackRock. Although with the amount of campaign money they throw at the Dems, who knows what might be possible. Maybe some kind of permutation of Silicon Valley Bank where everybody gets bailed out at the cost of the taxpayer. We're going to talk more about that in future weeks. But hold on, we're not done because there's more to the rest of the story. Have you ever heard of ROGD? Rapid Onset Gender Dysphoria. There's a new term for you. And it seems that a subgroup of transgender people as part of the gay community has expanded from the original, they figured, 150,000 or so around the United States to, hold on to your hat, about 5% of young adults in the United States who now say their gender is different than their sex assigned at birth. That's about 2.5 million people, if, of course, all this is to be believed. There's more to this, and we're going to go over it next week because it's going to tie in with next week's alternative (laughs) on how to fix this incredible national mess we're in on every level and on every tangent. But if you take a look, I mentioned it oh, a few minutes ago on the show. If you visit DSM-5, all caps, dash 5, that's the 2013 update of the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, 5th edition. It's published by the American Psychiatric Association. And they figured at that time, remember, that's just 10 years ago, prevalence rate of gender dysphoria was between 0.005% to 0.014% for males and 0.002% to 0.003% for females. To put that another way, each 0.001% is about 33,000 people. So why this boom in the young adults? Well, number one, what age group are the Democratic Marxists targeting as their new voter base? Because they can't rely on blacks totally anymore. They certainly can't rely on Hispanics who went almost more than 50% for Republicans in many areas of the country. So since they're losing some of their victim constituencies, they have to create more. And of course, this is being done through the press. You can always rely on them to help you out if you're a Democratic Marxist or social media you start seeing people who somehow can't quite think for themselves being influenced by their peers, by social pressure, by the groups we talked about in the history of this, by mainstream media, by big tech. And because, although not in all cases, for instance, Bruce Jenner, but in most cases, because it's cool. You know, it's a cool thing to do. By the way, you can get these stats just by figuring there's about 64.5.3 million adolescents and young adults in the country. 
just multiply by 5%. And this raises all sorts of other questions. Once again, we're going to dig into them next week as part of our alternative three for fixing America. But as I was talking about earlier, the Marxists are using tradition as the enemy. Tradition is your oppressor. Tradition creates victimhood for you. Cisgendered, that is normal, heterosexual people, are considered evil and unsupportive. doesn't matter what their views of the gay topic is. If you're cisgender and you're a non-minority, you are in the most evil of categories. And anything you say, no matter what, is considered phobic and discriminatory. You know, create the victim. And unenlightened. And the Marxists have cleverly used this to attack the traditional family, also using these influencers. Parents are being called breeders, derogatorily, obviously, by their children. Or they're being harassed by kids playing pronoun police. And if you listen carefully to what the kids are saying at home or otherwise, it is almost identical to the rat-a-tat-tat, the drumbeat of psyops that's flowing continuously now online. Parents have even described their children as being, quote, sounding scripted, unquote, or, quote, reading from a script, unquote, or, quote, wooden, unquote, or, quote, like a form letter, unquote, or, quote, verbatim, unquote, or word for word, or, quote, practically copy and paste, unquote. You can see where all this is going, right? And next week we'll talk about how we reverse it. And there's another element still, and we're going to talk about this more next week too. Just like, you know, doctors and hospitals were given all sorts of awards and monetary incentives to stick needles in people's arms with the magic COVID juice and to disregard time-proven COVID treatments to take CDC and NIH-mandated drugs on which those agencies and the people in them got royalties. So, too, is this sex change, transgender, gender dysphoria turning into a burgeoning cash cow for the health industry. Did you know that if you were going to go through kind of the full metamorphosis involved in being totally transgender, it's 100 to 150 grand in cost? Oh, but what's a cost to you for this medical stuff? Well, that's income to the hospital and the doctor. Once again, I'll tie all this in for you next week. And more importantly, how we stop it. And that woke agenda, and this is going to tie into alternative three on how to fix America next week too, is being parroted by big corporations. And that's because of pressure from their board members. And the board members are coming from the 5 to 12% ownership by BlackRock, Vanguard, and State Street, you know, the uh, the vanguard, shall we say, cabal, and the head cheese, Larry Fink. And it doesn't matter that these companies are just getting pummeled by the marketplace, both in terms of their stock value, their capitalization, and their sales, and their profits, obviously. Next week, once again, as part of Alternative 3, I'm going to have a long list of companies which you absolutely shouldn't buy from. Vote with your dollars, folks. That speaks loudly to these folks, although... Not so much to BlackRock. For instance, we have uh, <laughs> we have Jack Daniels with the Jack Fire and Pride go together like cinnamon and whiskey. What a wonderful campaign. It started in 2021 with this company, a drag queen campaign that's now resurfaced. And it's called the Small Town Big Pride campaign. Doesn't that just warm your heart? As far as the second alternative for fixing the mess this country is in, it's simple. It's money. The beast cannot live without money. And you know, there's a lot of ways to choke that off. We pay taxes. We pay fees. And of course, we give money to the 
arm-in-arm big tech and BlackRock-type companies, which are intertwined with the government. They feed off one one another like ticks, like leeches. We need to break that bond, which is going to bring us to Alternative 3, which we're going to discuss in detail next week. This is just a brief precursor. We must break the cycle of the government using our tax money to pound us over the head with illegal, unconstitutional edicts that are agenda, not America, and American-driven. Gets me foaming at the mouth. Now, rat-a-tat-tat. Let's talk about some COVID news, because it is really some big news. And obviously, the mainstream media is just... What news? What? Where? What, what? Did I miss something? First of all, several weeks ago, the first COVID litigation conference was held in Atlanta. It was headlined COVID battle by the mainstream media. COVID battle lines moving from emergency room to courtroom. And so they are. And do you know what? The United States of America is about to pay out its very first COVID vaccine injury awards, which is going to kind of open the floodgates. But it's not the government we want paying, which is just us paying ourselves. We want Big Pharma and Fauci and the whole cabal to be paying. In fact, some of them need to be locked up. But COVID litigation against employers with mandates, against the military, against the government, and against the pharma companies is heating up and it's gaining traction. If you've been injured by a vaccine, by the COVID juice, you know, the safe and effective COVID juice, you need to gear up your claim and get with these hundreds of attorneys now that are entering this field. This is one of the ways to stop heavy-handed health mandates that, that are not backed by science. In fact, there was an article in Politico. Let me give you a quote. Whether you're in the fight or firmly on the other side of it, there is no denying that some of the lawyers challenging the government's right to intervene in Americans' health are winning, unquote. Here's another quote, same article. Lawyers are gearing up for a new wave of tort cases seeking compensations for alleged harm. Those measures, the COVID jabs, have done a wave, they say, that could rival opioid litigation or the tobacco lawsuits, which were argued in courts for decades and which ultimately ended in big tobacco, paying states more than $200 billion. Personally, folks, I'm projecting trillions on this one, particularly if you include all the people who have been health damaged around the world. By the way, did you know that Switzerland has basically stopped recommending the COVID-19 vaccine? Oh, well, isn't that nice? That's kind of closing the barn door after the horse is out, isn't it? But it is telling, and it'll tie in with one of the upcoming rat-a-tat-tats I am about to share with you. And one last little COVID tidbit. So the Oregon Zoo, I mean, you know, you can't get much more woke than Oregon and Portland. They decided that all their animals needed COVID vaccines. I'm not making this up. And so they started to inject their animals And one of their black bears died suddenly. You know, just like all those athletes and commentators and people on TV and radio. Huh, who would have thought? And by the way, it was of cardiac problems. Huh, where have we heard that before? Anyway, because of this uproar and study after study after study coming out now linking, proving the cause of certain adverse effects being the jabs, the FDA very quietly just a few days ago, I think it was April 19th, The FDA came out with all new COVID vaccine guidelines. By the way, they're posted on the website on the COVID page. Make sure you read them. Because they wanted to simplify the jab-taking process to, you know, heighten the amount of vaccination in the country. Of course, using the word vaccine or vaccination is an oxymoron since the jabs are neither. 
Let me give you a quote. This stage of the pandemic, data supports simplifying the use of authorized mRNA by bivalent COVID-19 vaccines, and the agency believes that this approach will help encourage future vaccination. Well, folks, in terms of simplifying it, they took one set of guidelines. <laughs> they created 23 guidelines with subheadings and subgroups. Much simpler. I mean, it makes you want to just cast your vaccine hesitancy aside and rush out there and jam that needle in your arm as many times as you can. So now there's seven different groups of people that each have their own rule of rules, including people who got one or more regular, not the bivalent boosters, vaccines, unvaccinated kids and adults, unvaccinated babies and toddlers, vaccinated babies and toddlers, people who got at least one of the new bivalent vaccines, jabs, I'm not going to use the word vaccine, except, there's an exception, 65 plus year olds who only had one bivalent vaccine and some types of immunocompromised who've gotten any of the bivalent vaccines, except for unvaccinated babies and toddlers who have a different rule. You kind of get my message? If you really want to read this nonsense, go to the COVID page, click on the new FDA guidelines. Then, buried in the middle of the report, listen to this, quote, most individuals who have already received a single dose of the bivalent vaccine are not currently eligible for another dose. Not currently eligible? That means you're cut off, folks. No more happy juice for you. And by the way, on many of these rules and regulations in the fine print is, oh, by the way, we're not paying for this anymore. So get out your credit card so you can be safe and effective. But don't worry, if you're 65 plus, quote, and received a single dose of bivalent vaccine, you may receive one additional dose at least four months following the initial bivalent dose, unquote. Oh, wow, I feel so much better. And here's another tidbit in here for you. You'll love this. Most unvaccinated individuals, well, everybody's unvaccinated because it's not a vaccine, but most people who haven't taken even one jab may receive a, this is a quote, may receive a single dose of bivalent vaccine rather than multiple doses of the original, say Pfizer, say Moderna, say AstraZeneca, monovalent mRNA vaccines, unquote. In other words, folks, all those vaccines, you know, that were safe and effective, uh, you shouldn't take them anymore. And the FDA doesn't really explain why you needed seven different jabs to be really, really, really safe prior to the 19th, but now you can get by with just one jab. Hmm, it must be that science they were so closely following that they so closely investigated. You know, if I was somebody out there and I'd gotten three jabs, four jabs, five jabs, seven jabs, all seven jabs, I'd be pretty pissed off right now, particularly since many folks who did that got COVID anyway, or COVID twice, or COVID three times. Many of them now have material adverse effects. Remember the rat-a-tat-tat on the litigation, folks. It's looking better and better and better, and you couldn't do anything better for yourself or for your country than to launch your claims. And speaking of the border, it's a disaster down there. It's about to become a bigger disaster. But very concerning is the really dangerous disaster within the disaster. So there's been a migrant camp established in Darien, Panama. It's called the San Vicente Camp. Guess who is like 100% of the population? Chinese aspiring illegal aliens. Many of them obviously spies or paramilitary. And then along with this 
it seems that Chinese women who are somehow connected to all these military-aged males kind of poised down there in Central America, they're having anchor babies in U.S. protectorates, you know, like Guam, the Philippines, etc., which gives their anchor babies U.S. citizenship. And you should go to the website under Immigration and under the audio bark and under China, Our Enemy. This is really scary stuff. Right now, coming across the border, there's about 200 military-aged, fit as a fiddle, (laughs) you know, they look like soldiers, Chinese males coming across the border. And there's about 200 a day flowing through that Central America pipeline, including this San Vicente camp. There's videos. Look at it for yourself. I mean, the pictures don't lie. There's videos on the website. Once again, rat-a-tat-tat. Immigration, China, our enemy. You know, China doesn't have to invade the United States. They don't need a fleet. They don't need landing barges and soldiers and helicopters and all sorts of things. They're getting the invasion done right now. And we're going to have tens, if not hundreds, of thousands of Chinese military-aged males, probably trained, since they're not being vetted, probably trained and financed by the CCP and the Red Army in the United States. What possibly could go wrong? This must all just be a coincidence. And of course, the mainstream media continues to spout off its mouth, ignore what it doesn't want you to know, twist what it wants you to think, and manipulate the information in between those extremes. Well, we're out of time. Look in the mirror. Repeat with your family. Start repeating with your friends and say with renewed conviction, I will muster. I will stand. I will not comply. I will never give in. I will never stop fighting. I will join with those in these United States and around the globe who love freedom as I do, and we will win. This is Reed Lance Rosenthal on the Right Side Radio. Keep the wind at your back. More potential solutions next week. Please remember, if you've missed any shows, just click on Show Archive and you'll find all of his shows. We look forward to seeing you here again next week for another episode of Reed Lance Rosenthal on the Right Side.